Boom, boom, boom. Uh, everybody say way out. What? Wait. No. I don't Why? wanna. I don't wanna. <laughs> I'll say it then, Wayo. The reason I'm the reason I'm starting with a banging club classic today is because the game that we're discussing, Hotline Miami, features a lot of banging club classics itself. <laughs> See, that just sailed right over my head. Oh, yeah. come on! I was my... going to do something more obvious, like I don't know, Encore en Ivoire, that one from Sash. No. Do you not get like dance music over there or something? Did the nineties no. not happen to you people? No, they didn't Jesus. happen here. No. Oh. Say you just went from 1989 to 2000. That's right. Well, no, it doesn't explain now. a lot. <laughs> they they started calling ecstasy MDMA, and then dance music caught on in North America. Right. That's yeah. Well, that, yeah. You you do you not have the Happy Mondays over there? Uh, isn't that the one with uh, what's his face, the guy Sean who? Sean Ryder. Bez. Yeah. Yeah. He's on that one yeah. Gorilla song. He is. And then he's yeah, on he this is. live performance, and he looks like he's about to die. At any second, he, he's looked like that for some time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, not to not to deviate. We are talking today about Hotline Miami. Uh, this is Bullet Points, a podcast all about shooting games. I'm Ed Smith. I'm joined by Reed McCarter. Hello. And Patrick Lindsay. Hello. And yeah, uh, the reason that I wanted to just jump start us there with a little bit of crazy junglist mashup dance <laughs> music was um, because Hotline Miami is such a, uh, what I think is a, a great soundtrack, but we'll get onto that later. Um, if you've not played Hotline Miami, it's a 2012 game by a two-person, quote, studio uh, called Denaton. Uh, it's a top-down, two-dimensional, ultra-violent shooter wherein you play a anonymous uh, young man who is sent on a series of assassination and mass murder missions by a equally anonymous dispatcher who contacts you repeatedly by phone um, you score points you have to kill as quickly and as viciously as possible and the idea of the game is that by keeping the pace up I think and being as aggressive as you can um, you will get a better score but it is not as blunt and perhaps odious as it may seem there's a lot of kind of satire isn't it though well 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 wait your turn yeah well no you know what let's get right into it then so patrick i i'm i'm of the opinion that hotline miami despite awarding points straightforwardly for killing people a lot is a at times vicious satire of some of these things in video games, you seem to think otherwise. I think it is one of the all too common examples of failed satire or using satire to hide behind um, to justify a thing you are doing that would otherwise be looked upon as bad. Um, I think that my feelings about this game are very complicated. They used to be far more direct and blunt, but I've, I've sort of softened over the year since this game was released. Um, and I think that while it does do some some things to sort of we're a thinking man's murder game, um, I think that ultimately those steps are perfunctory and clash way too strongly with the rest of the actual game. I think the game's proposed thematic message does not align with its mechanical design. It is, to use the term, ludonarratively dissonant. I think that's a perfectly good term. I, I reject the idea that it's overused or ridiculous. I like that term. Reed, what do you Ed, think of Hotline Miami? Sorry, I was sorry. just going to say as a brief aside, I as soon as at this point uh, you or Patrick, I think it's usually Patrick says ludonarrative dissonance, it's like you've been trained at like a, like a dog with, you know, cheesies, that you have to defend that term. Yeah, I'm. Said. I'm of a similar mindset, actually. I, I think yeah, it's. It, I think it's perfectly fine. It just was thrown around a lot, right? So it needs to be. Look, man, brought... haters are haters are gonna hate. And I, I have no problem with it. That's not. That's not what I was saying. Mm-hmm. It's a good term. Um, yeah. So that's a sidetrack that probably wasn't necessary at all. Um, I see, Patrick, where you're coming from. I, uh, I like Hotline Miami a lot. And uh, the the attempts it does to kind of be a satire, I think, are fall pretty flat. Um, I think it's the game is mostly incoherent unless you're willing to 
really sort of, you know, be one of those people who's going to spend forever hunting down. Like you can find these little hidden puzzle pieces, right, that spell a word, and then I think you get a different ending. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, man. The I've layers. been playing it, like, as a straight arcade game. Well, yeah, and that's why I think some of that stuff is... I don't know, maybe there's something to be said about you have to... Uh, you have to go off the beaten path of what the game feels like it should be doing in order to find this message. But um, I, I would say the game is at its best when it's just sort of confusing, but it doesn't feel like it's really trying... Like when it's it's sort of dreamlike and just sort of uh, nightmarish, yeah. maybe. When it's just yeah. these, these strange characters. I'm thinking of the scenes where you walk into a room and it's uh, three mysterious figures wearing animal masks telling you things that don't really make sense um like these cryptic things and then you just go and do these missions um i I think that is all fine and and i don't need more of that i just need the tone because this is a long way of getting around to saying that i i think hotline miami is uh fantastic just as what it is sort of if you just watch someone boot up a level and play a level i think it's uh there's I, something I, to it. There's an energy to it that's. So... I don't disagree. I think it's a fantastically designed game, and I think it's a hell of a lot of fun to play. I just think as soon as you try and peel back its right. layers and reveal any sort of like inner thematic working, then it falls apart for me there. Well, I guess what I would say is um, coming to that stuff when it's kind of dreamy or nightmarish and, and confusing, and you just kind of feel. It's kind of woozy feeling when you're in between the missions and you go on the missions and there's this clarity to kill these people, don't get killed. And it's just brutal and straightforward. And then every level when it finishes, you have to walk back through, you know, there's blood all over the place and there's dead bodies and you sort of see. And the game doesn't, the game isn't saying, hey, you know, it's not moralizing to you. It's just walk back through what you did. Um, and, and it's, I think when it does that stuff, when it's not trying to be explicit about what it is, I think it it is a nice little having its cake and eating it too about about violence in games. I think that for me, one of the things that I find most distasteful about violence in games is that it's often characterized as conducive to a resolution. The more you commit, the better result you get. You know, killing is winning. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Hotline Miami, although you're being awarded these points, they're so plentiful and kind of innumerable that they, they feel almost sarcastic. And the prizes you get at the end of each level are, you know, these strange animal masks that don't make a, a, a fat lot of sense to you, at least when you're first awarded them. And Hotline Miami, read as you mentioned, it's this quixotic, drunken, completely nonsensical story, you know. A, from moment to moment even the fact that you you die so much and have to restart so often in this game that it just becomes this absolute mess and sort of two-thirds through the game the character you've been playing as is is swapped and you start playing as somebody who you killed halfway through the game and this time you killed the previous protagonist and the whole game kind of degenerates into this mess of timelines and colors and figures and and these animal-faced underbosses wearing suits, and it, it it really is a clash of um, just objects and images, and it, it it belies sense in the way that so many violent games seem to want to make sense. And yeah. that, to me, is a pretty fine, you know, it's a very very kind of sledgehammer approach to undercutting our attitude about violence in games, to make the entire game to make Hotline Miami in its entirety this disorganised sort of hellscape at times but I think it does undercut what we typically expect from a violent game which is a a, a clear resolution Yeah, I think that's all I mean, that's a a good way to sum up, I think, what I I like about it Um, uh, I'd say that a lot of its accomplishment is is almost like you know abstract expressionism or, or punk right it's just in your face it's it's sort of sensory overload and it gives you a certain feeling that that you have to deal with on your own but then i would say something like that but then what patrick is saying was saying before too about um uh 
just sort of what it's trying to be because it isn't just trying to be what it's best at you know it does want you to I think it does want to make sense it, it wants to I, I don't know and there's something kind of cheeky and you know winking about how the first game does it but then you see and I don't know if this is fair to bring in the second game it's probably not but you see that their intentions I think were to sort of give you this grand drama mm-hmm. about violence and and uh, and and I think that stuff is just I mean know, not I, only I think did it's really they... bad not only did they make a second game, they made like a comic series. Like they really, they? yeah, they went all in with the lore. Um, See that—that's when it gets terrible for me. The the second game, it's it's this awful contradiction of constructed nihilism, uh-huh. where they've spent so long making this derivative, this sort of subpar Tarantino, Chandler Park story of interweaving characters and. Yeah. past events and future events all to kind of drive home this point at the end that everyone's bad and then all the characters die anyway in a, in a kind of deus ex machina explosion um, just as a sort of absolute shrug of the shoulders like yeah violence whatever you know it, it, the, the second game is I think all the worst impulses of, of violent games generally um, or a lot of the worst impulses but the first game I, I want to actually speak to something that, that you mentioned Patrick because I, I also think that you're right um, there is a, a conflict in the first game because it's enjoyable to yeah. kill in those games. Um, the, the music is pumping, the colours are fantastic, and it absolutely wants you to feel uh, the absence of killing because when you finish a level, the music kind of fades out, mm-hmm. and the sound goes away, mm-hmm. and you yeah, like read, you know, you, you like you said, you retreat back to your car, you go and rent a video or pick up a pizza and kind of trudge back to your apartment. And the 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 killing sort of feels like this guy's life. It's like your character's life. So I'm not absolutely prepared to throw in with everything I said necessarily because certainly the game enjoys killing. It wants you to like it. It doesn't just want to sort of undercut it and say, you know, are you a bad person for doing? I mean, that's the first line in the game, isn't it? It's like, uh, are, do you like yeah. hurting other people? Is the first line in the game, which is so accusatory considering what then. See, and and my my issue is whenever people talk about this game as as a, I'll obnoxiously call it as a treatise on violence. Um, that's pretty much the only thing I ever hear cited, which mm. like yes, it is asking the question, but also, like just you know you don't get a participation award just for showing up to the conversation. Like you actually have to mm. contribute something to the narrative, and I don't really think that the game is introspective in a way that accomplishes that. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's very much um, at at its worst. I, there's still so much I love about this game, but at its worst, it it definitely is, um, you know, of that era of early reflection on violence, which usually just turns into, "Hey, player, what's wrong with you? That mm-hmm. that you're yeah. that you're enjoying this thing that we have spent so much time and effort <laughs> making enjoyable so... for you to interact with." Here's here's a, a thing that I'm going to talk through. I do this a lot. I talk through theories as I'm coming up with them. Bear with Work me. it out. I have noticed that there is a trend in games when you're interrogating the subject of violence specifically to indict the player rather than the action. Um, mm-hmm. You are a bad person because you are killing this. It, like To say nothing of the fact that the world you are inhabiting is like inherently fucked up, that this is even just like how you ended up in the first place. Um, and like... That's why in Hotline Miami it feels particularly funny because the entire world is awful. Um, so much so that in the the later chapters of the game, when you go to pick up your pizza or your video rental, like there's someone else who has murdered your friend and replaced him, and he's just like his body is just kind of lying there while you have a conversation about picking up your pizza. Um, like it's it's very surreal in how violent it is. So to say, do you like hurting other people? Is like. Uh, jerk off motion it's a it's a non-question do you like hurting other people because there's no other thing to do in the world of hotline Miami. right um just as in so many games the only thing there is to do the only way you can reach out and touch them is through violence spec ops the line your character's hands can do nothing but hold and shoot a gun literally nothing what if ed we could talk to the demons well well honestly yeah i was gonna say i think that to some extent you know maybe yeah 
I mean, people make fun of that. I think there was also a, an older, like Tim Rogers essay at like Kotaku or something about like Grand Theft Auto needs a, a hug button. Like, what what would that do? If you know, and it's easy to read that and laugh at it, right? Like, oh, that's that's funny. And same same thing with, I think people uh, evoke the what if you could talk to the demons. And I mean, Ed, you wrote about that, um, mm-hmm. but people kind of yeah. evoke that as just a. You know, it's almost a sense of, um, I don't know, when people say John Lennon said the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. And it's just like not actually looking at what's being said underneath it. It's just taking a quote that is yeah. ri- risable on its face. Um, but you look at that, what, you know, what does it say about how a game is designed? And the, I, I think the player has no culpability in shooting things that are shooting at them and the only mm-hmm. buttons they have are buttons that attack you know it's it's i i, I don't know it's um, yeah ask, it's, asking a player to choose absurd. between failure and like the moral high ground in a video game uh doesn't make a lot of sense to me well and then there's also that i mean we shouldn't go too far into other games but you know it's the spec ops thing of saying well you should have stopped playing the game which right, is ridiculous. I, I think is, is the stupidest argument. I think is is <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't truck with that at all. I think those are no. those are easy outs. But at the same time, you know, something like Hotline Miami or something like Spec Ops or Bioshock, uh, the, these games that are kind of questioning these things, I, I think they're they're so tired now, and they're easier to look back on in retrospect and say these are sort of juvenile and, and surface level and accusatory and you know they they don't look at themselves at all but games took a way too long to get to the point of even starting this discussion you know and the frustrating thing is that it's been this same discussion is still happening in games now you know so it's so it's easy to look back at 2012 or whatever and say like jesus that's so facile but that was you know five years ago it was something perhaps slightly when it was happening then but I feel like 2012 was the year I, I started doing this professionally and I remember the buzz around Hotline Miami and being so thrilled by it when I first played it and, and feeling like it was the first game that I really had something substantive to, to contribute on and as the months went by I realised or, or started to feel like what Hotline Miami is representative of Games are talking about violence, but they're talking about violence as represented in games. Yep. It's it's self-effacing, mm-hmm. and they do little. It's hard for me to think of a game that really makes mention of, let alone casts a judgment on, not just violence as it happens in the real world, but like a, a real world violent well moment, something that's actually happened. People would uh, people would say. It's a terrible example, but I think you know some of the Call of Duty modern Call of Duty games do that. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna actually actually say that, or even with Spec Ops, because those are at least relatable, quote unquote, real world things that you're that you're mimicking. Yeah, well, they have something to do with the world outside of the video game. I think Mafia Three does that as well. That game, uh, so much of its success is based on being set in a time and Mm. place where you can look at it right away and, and if you you know have a cursory knowledge of of uh, modern american history you look at it and you say well i know i know that context i know what the stakes are here you know this that's that's true that's true i, I think mafia 3 is is a a forward step call of duty i'm not so sure about just because although um we may extract from it some observations about the military or the application of military power, although there is no such thing as an apolitical game, or a, a, you know, an, an abstention is always a a uh, verbalization of intent. I'm not convinced that the makers of Call of Duty give enough of a shit about violence for me to really. I mean, I, I wouldn't argue games. with that at all. Yeah. For, to, for me to concede that those games are making like a conscious contribution to this discussion or to any discussion. Yeah, I think the the only one offhand I would I would argue for having that kind of value would maybe be you know the first Modern Warfare, which I think was Same. a game that was that was responding <coughs> to 
the era it came out in you know same um, yeah um, but but you're totally. right you're right I do think a lot of them are just try to especially when you you know <laughs> Modern Warfare 2 Black Ops 2 and it's they start mm-hmm. referring to themselves you know yeah it's like oh the yeah. the nuke that went off in unnamed Middle Eastern country destabilized this region and and then it's just like well now you're just you know you're just up your own ass at that point absolutely um so I think there have been plenty of games that through sort of happy accident or, or um, inadvertent poetry have said something or given us something to think about when it comes to how games depict actual real world violence not uh, not how they discuss violence in games uh, but I certainly don't think Hotline Miami is one of those I think it's, a, it's chiefly preoccupied with how do we feel about committing violence in games mm-hmm. or how do we feel about violence as it's committed elsewhere uh, in reality one thing I don't want to talk too long because I, I feel like I've said a lot in the last few minutes but one thing that I will say for it is that although there is a tension between what you do and I think what the game expects you to come away wringing your hands about I think that Hotline Miami compared to a lot of its contemporaries isn't a contradiction it really does kind of get down on both knees and push its face into the muddy puddle and like swill its head around you know what we were talking about of it's it like being manhunt yeah mm-hmm. but you know but less even kind of like less nihilistic because manhunt is so kind of dreary the way it looks yeah, yeah. and the way it sounds you know it's 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 quite a, a kind of a game with no morality um expressed through quite dead visuals whereas hotline miami's got like it, it's got sort of an energetic nihilism you know it really wants to just like see how far it can f- you know, like a kind of john waters film right like how far can we just get it, up it's and- it's kind of like if a guy Ritchie movie ended up at a meth clinic yeah you know like ab- abject art is the term that gets that gets used right and it's hotline miami where, whereas manhunt is kind of it's slightly uh, appalled by itself. It's like, ooh, Hotline Miami's just like, no, fuck it, we're getting in there. You know, it's it's both feet into the deep end. Well, this is um, this is the one thing I would say, and this this might be it's it's a reading I've kind of always had this game, and it might be a bit too generous. Um, but I know that the the two guys who make up Deniton, the I forget what their names are. Oh God, whatever. Uh, Dennis yep. Dennis Redwin and. Oh, it's a Strum it. last name, and I can't remember. It's like Jonathan yeah. something. Jonathan Soderstrom. Right. Okay, but I remember I, I have read something, and it's the worst thing to do. But it's a podcast, so I can't cite where it's from. But I remember them saying that they were very influenced by the documentary Cocaine Cowboys when they right. before making this game, which is a documentary about um, sort of 1980s Florida and drug runners who were, you know working with uh, Central and South American cartels to get, you know, bring enormous amounts of cocaine into the United States. And they sort of transformed uh, Miami, especially into, you know, what it is today. This, well, it's not quite what it was in the 80s or 90s, but, you know, this this kind of Vegas, this giant opulent city where uh, there are beautiful condos and luxurious things everywhere um, because of the cocaine money. And... Mm. I've always had in the back of my head something about the way the game because people will say you start the game and you do kind of like sit up in your chair once it starts going it's the music is so perfect and the sound effects are you know the music always has this sort of pumping uh, the the backbeat of it is is so insistent and um, I've, I've heard people say you know this game is like <laughs> you know putting your nose down doing a line getting up and the game's just fucking blasting you with energy mm-hmm. uh, and then you finish and it's just this come down mm-hmm. you know so it almost feels again I don't know if I'm reaching too far but it almost feels in this game like you go through and you're you're on this high and everything is working and it's short sighted and it's bloody and then you finish and you're going back and the cost of that you know that huge rush that endorphin rush of, of going through and barely surviving and killing all these people and you know, trick shots and everything ends and you see the cost of, of what was done, you know, almost in the sense of you have a city like Miami, which, you know, profits so enormously and, and grows so luxurious and incredible. 
while people are dying mm. to make that happen, you know, and then inevitably the era of the cocaine cowboys is over and you're left with just this this fucking mess, mm. you know, that's um cost so many lives and has, you know, destabilized nations and, and everything. Mm. So I don't know. That's like the big thing I always think about this game and I also don't know if it's maybe just me trying to justify the context of it that I'm bringing into it, you know, or, or... I, I like that interpretation, but the game is so hermetically sealed. Like the only yeah. reason you even really know it's in Miami is because they tell you, um, yeah, exactly. And, like not, no part of that game focuses on your impact on the outside world. Um, short of like your pizza friend telling you, have you heard about all those murders lately? Um, so I, I think that I, I, I don't know that I would be comfortable with viewing Hotline Miami as sort of a commentary, commentary. on the consequences of the drug trade. No, I know, and I, I just wanted to to just put but that forward. I, I, and I do really like that uh, that sort of reading. Yeah, it's just the caveat is like exactly like you can knock down that 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 understanding or reading of the game by just being like, you know, it, it all takes place in its own little self self enclosed world. I, yeah. I feel like what you're driving at isn't necessarily that Hotline Miami is a retrospective on how the city of Miami was forged through drug violence. I think that the history that you're referring to, i.e. something arrives in a city, there's a huge kind of flush of excitement and energy, and then it goes away and what's left is a detritus, is synonymous with like a, quite a lot of personal experiences, quite a lot of like one-on-one -on -one interactions or solo interactions. Um, right. I wrote, and it's a terrifically clumsy, and uh, uh, one of the articles that I loathe the most. It was something I wrote in the early 2013. I insist you don't go looking for it and link it into the article, into the blurb here. But I interviewed around Hotline Miami, and you can tell that this is early in my career because when I say the words, <coughs> you're going to guffaw. I interviewed a professional dominatrix um, <laughs> about what I was aware were. Uh, kind of various stages of dominant submission DS play um, the two sort of mindsets that I'd heard kind of outline and reference which was uh, subspace and sub drop so subspace is this kind of mental place that a submissive partner goes to where they feel high and receptive and have lost a lot of inhibitions and then sub drop is when it's all over and they feel kind of vulnerable and um, maybe slightly embarrassed huh. and um, like they fear abandonment. So I spoke to this woman about these things and tried to apply the same kind of framework of experience to Hotline Miami where you, you have a rise, you feel like you're in the kind of zone where nothing else matters outside of the single goal that you have which is kill or in the terms of DS play, you know, satisfy or obey and then it ends in your kind of you know, back outside in the cold. I, I don't... Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. I was just going to say I, I don't think that's a... I, I don't think that's a, a... I don't know how to put it, like a, a bad way to approach I, that. I think it was... I think it's, it was... it's trying to... It's, I, I don't know what the execution was because I haven't read it, but I think the trying to understand the psychology of of, of playing something like this, I mean, you have to look at other examples of like Hotline Miami, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but the game like punishes you constantly, mm -hmm. ex you know, and yet. Yeah. Sorry. I did, yeah, I can remember referencing that in the art. The execution was, excuse me, amateurish because I hadn't been writing very long. And I think that it was a, an, an exploitative and sort of salacious way of explaining something quite simple, which is this game lets you feel excited and then kind of drops you again. Um, and that, you know, yeah, like you say, there's a, there's a slightly masochistic element in the sense that it pumps you up with all this music. And lets you feel like you're enjoying something, but also you're, you know, surreptitiously aware that what you're enjoying is sort of, um, uh, you know, maudlin and 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 kind of fecal. Um, even even on the level too of just you die a lot in this game. Mm -hmm. You, you a, a single shot that sometimes you don't even see where it comes from, or you're facing the wrong way when an enemy runs at you. You know, you you one hit takes you down. Mm. 
so so you're you know it's a difficult game it's a but i i i i feel like um all of that stuff is still it might be kind of quite finely tuned and sort of um distilled i think in hotline miami but it's it's quite a simple and long standing video game dynamic to be to be, to oh, be sure. punished by the game and to then have like moments of of spectacle and rush uh, that segue into moments of feeling, you know, the opposite. I, I, you know, the problem that I had with that article that I've referenced too many times now is that it, it was talking about something pretty straightforward and, and um, self-evident in games in a in language that suggested it was like an oddity, it was a peculiarity to Hotline Miami, which it absolutely is not. Um, but I, I, I can certainly see why it's an interesting kind of, as Patrick turned a treatise on violence, when it, it, it wants you to feel high and then feel low. Whereas I think something like Far Cry 2, which we're yet to discuss on here, and Spec Ops The Line, and Ken and Lynch 2, which we did a few episodes ago, although it doesn't necessarily want you to always feel low, it definitely doesn't want you to reach the highs that Hotline Miami encourages. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's the big difference for me between this game and a game like Far Cry 2 is that this game is supposed to be yeah. fun. Um, Far Cry 2 is, like, aggressively unfun on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about kind of half-steps in terms of criticism and, and commentary. Um, I'll admit that, but, like... I, th- I think it's less about violence. I think it's just more a game about power and like ha- what it feels like to execute power and have it executed mm-hmm. on you. Um, because the between the uh, the visuals, which are pretty... I mean, the, the art style is very pixely um, by choice. Uh, between that, like it's visually very like lo-fi and kind of surreal so it's not representative of like actual violence it's not like in Far Cry 2 where you can light a person on fire and like watch them flail around um and I, I it's almost like they're the enemies are all the same faceless white suited guys um there's no character development for any of the bad guys whatsoever so it's just I think at least on the surface it's just meant to be like a fun exercise in exerting you know power and mastery over a game that is very mm-hmm. difficult to master it's kind of the the super hot thing too right mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah that was that was for me um, that was one of the chief sort of stumbling blocks in super hot which when it tried to insist on a on a morality and on a kind of rug pull moment at the end yeah that the one was thing, that was the unnecessary one thing I want about hotline miami is you know read what what you were talking about near the beginning you know the 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 nonsense that is hotline miami whether that is necessarily as important as, as I made it sound, you know, is it really nonsensical to suggest that violence in games is similarly nonsensical and similarly kind of arid, or is it nonsensical mm. just so you don't have to give a shit about the story and off you go and kill? You know, is it is that just another part of the game sort of fun? Well, then, then again, also, I. Th- you know, I think it's just tone. I think the music, the like, I can hear it in my head right now, yeah. uh, is is meant to make you feel like you've woken up in the middle of the night and you're having mm-hmm. some strange, lucid dream that's menacing and you don't understand why. And then I, I don't know if I'd walk that back a bit as soon as I remembered, like when Patrick was saying, one of the things they say to you right away is, "Do you enjoy hurting people?" Which is not confusing. It's mm. direct mm. and it's. And it's um, something I think if you've played a handful of shooters before, you 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 understand what it's doing. Yeah. But the rest of it is, uh, I don't know. I'm of such like it's the same thing with Super Hot as well. I think two games that do so much, and if they would just be quiet, stick to it. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, don't don't try to fill in the blanks for people, um, because yeah, there there's just such. I mean, Patrick is right, too, about... You know, there's all these different readings you can get out of this game because the actual act of just playing the level mm. um, and then going back to your car is is just rich and, and, you know, just full of different things that you don't have to spell out for the player. Yeah. Uh, just that's how I felt a lot about Superhot as well. And then, you know, both, both of these games tried to clarify and... <sighs> I, I don't know. It, 
try to have a more concrete message, which, you know, good on them for trying that, but I don't think it, it works in either case. Uh, one question I have is, do we still need to be discussing whether or not the digital portrayal of violence is harmful or bad? Um, like, is this is this even a worthwhile question for us I was, to be I asking? Really think I was thinking about that, too. Because, um, well, I, I personally don't think that anyway. Um, I, I, the, the optimist in me wants to say that violence in fiction can make one more conscious of violence in reality. And the pessimist in me says that, at worst, people will watch violence in fiction and not give a shit about it. You know, the... the uh, I don't think any of us here, you know, ascribe to the belief that if you play violent games or watch violent movies, you do violent things or are more likely to do violent things in real life. No, my my concern with that stuff is yeah. is is more so what the context of the violence is. Right. Um, you know, if if you uh, you know made a game where. If you made uh, Resident Evil 5, where you're a white guy in deepest, darkest Africa killing spear-throwing natives, yeah. uh, I think the context of that violence matters. If you are, you know, playing Resident Evil 7 and you're you're shooting, you know, goopy black blob monsters um, that have no resemblance to real humans, then, then of course it doesn't matter if you're shooting a zombie man in the face. Uh, um, I, I think that's what bothers me is we come we keep skirting around the questions that we should be asking. The question isn't should we enjoy killing people. The question is like, what does our desire to keep killing people in X, Y, or Z scenarios yes, say about right. the, the social ideas and the power dynamics that we're projecting? Anything all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I think. You know, I, maybe this is armchair psychology, but I think Patrick, you know, my my understanding of this is what yeah. Patrick was saying about this is a game about exerting power. You know, and I, I think that's why I was thinking of Super Hot as well. That's also a game that says, you know, you are you are above these people. You are more proficient. Uh, I think it's just like a really basic subconscious human thing is the is is a, a nasty sort of animal desire to control. You know, to um, to exert your will on others and to to take some sort of instinctual pleasure in seeing. I mean, it's a really fucked up thing to talk about, but you know, it's why is a cat so happy about dropping a dead mouse? Well, I, I, I... well there's whatever. I'm going into the weeds because I'm sure there's lots of other lots of other reasons. But like, animals enjoy not enjoy is too big a word, but animals enjoy uh, taking over something. Of controlling something, of exerting their power over other things that can't defeat them physically, you know? I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be as grandiose as violence specifically. I, on a very basic level, the reason people play video games is to beat them, is to kind of conquer them, whether that game is Hotline Miami or Tetris. Um, I think we've just created a development environment and, you know, design trends that kind of hold violence and challenge as synonyms which isn't necessarily the case or always even the best way to look at it but I think that's just where we are I wonder if yeah because if a game doesn't have I mean I've always been very upfront about the fact that narrative is is what I'm in, into a game for you know I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be playing games all the time if they were all I don't know Rocket League which is fun and uh I get bored of after a couple hours. Um, I, I think I approach all media I'm interested in. Uh, well, I don't know, uh, you know, film and and books and video games as as a way to mm. be told a story. So I just want to complete the story. <laughs> I just right. want to get. I just want to get to the end of it. But I do think it is intertwined with. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking too much and. Like I think I'm just trying to talk through. God, these... how dare you talk on the podcast? <laughs> on our podcast? No, I don't know. I feel like we're just, you know, trying to convey what, what something is, that I don't fully understand like? as well. Well, when we're talking about, 
you know, the, these basic psychological well, urges to, this to is, complete this is or to progress or to... Desire to complete and progress and to own is, is just the same as the sort of reproductive desire to take over, to, you know, secure one's position in something, to establish one's dominance over it. It's the same as wanting to, um, you know, sire a lineage so that you are maintained in a in an environment. Um, it's the it's the impulse to to be recognised, and that that goes beyond uh, a sort of base biological instinct in humans. I think we don't we don't want to be recognised just because we want to continue in a biological sense. We just we want to be heard, you know. Well, it's good to be sort of validated and listened to. And when games give us killing, we can see very immediately that we are being sort of listened to by the game because when we press a button, someone dies. So that's like a very that's a very very stark declaration from the game right. that what you are doing here is being recognised and that's a that's a reassuring feeling to be sort of identified by the game um, I mean that that almost gets at some of the you know when people have the, the this again might be going too far out of it but when people uh say that a, a game, I don't know, a Dear Esther or a Gone Home or something isn't a video game, um, even though it's it's a, a process of exploration, interactivity, and, you know, sort of completing goals, um, mm. the, the game seems to exist without you. And I, and I wonder if part of that is sort of this strange, strange outlook on what video mm. games are that we've... that is so intertwined with violence, right? Um, uh, how violence is used in games is a made objective. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's just a, a stand-in for a, a something very, to do. Very crystalline interaction. It is it is the most kind of notable interaction to kill is you know the most sort of newsworthy in real life interaction or interaction is you know to kind of polite a word. But I was just thinking one of the reasons that enemies in video games always look the same you know Patrick you mentioned that the enemies in Hotline Miami are all wearing white suits now of course part of this is to save on game making time and effort but also if everyone looked different it would undercut our sense of mm -hmm. being the identified one of being the unique one of being the one that's being listened to above all others you know in video games we're, we're unique compared to so much around us um, I think well, there's also and, something and, to be said and, for that and being and an effort well. to blunt the and sort of guilt well. you feel no, in enjoying well, virtual violence. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna. Well, read if you these are. Oh, sorry. Me, then please go ahead, because I was gonna lead us into another discussion. Well, I was just gonna say, so much of this too is, I mean, when you discuss it, I think you run the risk of, of, uh, uh not that any of us, I think. Or thinking this, but y you run the risk of saying this is how you know it's it's like some <laughs> some dude yeah. sitting there stroking his cat and saying this is how I want them to feel, you know I don't want them to feel guilt. I I think so much of this is just um yeah just a sort of a slow it's it's a zeitgeist right this is this is what we think games are uh, and how they should be and these side effects reinforce themselves and perpetuate themselves. Um, and, and I think maybe, you know, God willing, who knows if I'll still be talking about them at the point, if I'll still be interested in them, is maybe in 30 years' time, this is looked back on as a, uh, well, this is, you know, a, sort of the dark ages of, this is why of I design, always is, is being stuck in this mentality. insinuation that video games can cause violent behavior, violent physical behavior, because I don't think vi video games are insidious, I think they're thoughtless. Um... Yes. Um, I think, to that point, I think we actually, despite our best efforts, stumbled on the violence in games argument. I think when we started making games, or at least mass-producing them back in the 70s and 80s, um, 
people chose violence as an interaction because mm-hmm. it's easy. It's you know your goal is to make these obstacles go away, make the obstacles move. All right, so right. that means they're alive, and it's exciting. Um, but now, like even Mario, like jumps on the Goombas. He doesn't like shake their hand or whatever, or give them a college degree. But um, <laughs> now, because technology is caught up to that very basic design paradigm, we can render this action in way more like vivid real life fidelity. And now mm. people are starting to realize, oh, we look like sociopaths. Yeah, I, I do and, think that's. And as as much as it troubles me as a game, I think one thing primarily Hotline Miami is doing is it's it really is just like a really amped up episode of Miami Vice. It's just a game that says it's it's okay to like breaking people's heads open in a video game. It's fine. You're you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, I mean Ed, before um, before you get to that last question, I mean one thing I wanted to ask just be point blank about it uh ah, bullet points joke yeah yeah that was on brand uh just be as honest as possible about it but did you feel or maybe even try to think back when you first played this game did this game actually make you feel something in your gut um in terms of i'm not, I'm not saying i think what what uh is undeniable in this game is the energy and everything but does it actually make you feel as if you have committed violence against something tangible. Yes, it did. Like, does it make you feel it, disgust it, or... It did. Sam, um, it actually because... makes me rarely uncomfortable to play. Okay. There were, you know, there were certain moments where you get these kind of... Along the bottom of the screen, zoomed-in faces of, like, a particular person you've just killed. You know, you get, like, a more detailed portraiture of them. Um, with, like, blood running down their chin on teeth knocked out because you've just beaten them to the floor. And those moments are very stark because suddenly you're seeing somebody face to face, whereas you've been looking at them before from the top down, and now you've got like a human face. And, and also, simply because of the way that the music kind of mm-hmm. carries you from yeah. up to down, that felt like a transition in the sense that committing violence is a transition. It's something that you have to do, and then it has been done. Um, the way that the game goes from one mood to another suggests that something has happened that you have committed something that something has changed um, which is uh, mm-hmm. extremely affecting yeah I, I, I certainly felt like I'd, I'd done something bad you know and right one thing that really got me was um, so it's really easy to, to play this game as a puzzle game because in practice, that's essentially what you're doing, is you're solving a puzzle. How can I get to the end of the level? Um, what order do I have to go in to kill these guys to survive? But every now and then in the game, you will injure an enemy and not kill them, and they'll kind of like crawl away from you, trying yeah. to get away. And you have to stand over them, and you perform like a special execution where you'll either slit their throat or bash their head into the ground or you know gouge their eyes out or something like ridiculous, like from the Expendables or whatever. Um, and those actually really unsettled me. I don't know why, because again, it's not like this game is um, mimetic in its visual fidelity, but it, right. it just felt very wrong. Yeah, I was I was gonna say because I, um, I, I was surprised by when I played it again <clears throat> before we did this show that mm. things are, in this game are still shocking, um, and and I was curious if that was just, you know, I I think sometimes I'll assume that everyone will have the same response to something violent uh, in the same way, and I think a lot of people do, but just when we were on that topic, I would, you know, I was curious if one of you would have said just like no. Because I think in this game, exactly what Patrick points out, it's those moments that, that uh, and what Ed points out too about the how the music reacts and the different sort of feelings between two phases of action. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say though that if it, if it's just a straightforward kind of puzzle game where you go to this guy because it is at many times you shoot this guy he's gone, you know you run up to this guy and, and whack him with a baseball bat he's gone, but the game. I think spends a lot of time doing those things like showing the guy crawling away or if you knock someone over with a door or something you have to lean down and you know slit their throat or 
the grossest one is bashing their head against the ground over and over again. Um, anyway, that's just a sidetrack. I was just curious if if that stuff actually kind of it, hit it, you, you guys. You have to press the, the button for each bash. It's not like gut level. Your guy bashes him three times. You have to press X three times. Like, you know. Um, right. And I certainly think that again, I think this is this is a low bar for right. games to clear, and a sort of you know a, a, a passing grade, if you like, for Hotline Miami. Um, but it, it certainly seems like a game that A, it wants you to notice that violence is happening and B, the people making it were thinking about the violence in it which are two things that I certainly would be hesitant to say of some other video games which, you know, they, they want you to feel like you're interacting right. doing something and that you have power but the violence is secondary if not tertiary to that it could be anything as long as they get the same kind of buzz from you. It's just that killing happens to be the, the most effective way they've found or so they feel of getting that buzz. Um, so I, 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 I did have a final question, but I, I actually think that you, you've got at it, Reed, by asking whether or not the game sort of achieves anything in terms of just raw evocation. Um, so I, you stole my nose, exactly. So I, Yeah, I stole your notes. My <laughs> detailed notes on Hotline yeah, Miami. Your, your detailed um, notes. But if there's anything else that Patrick or, or Reed, if you want to pose before we sign off on this one. I have like just one small point of conversation that um, remember when we did the episode, I guess last year? Jesus. Um, on the original Doom, and we talked about how that game felt, uh, you know, sort of punk, sort of, it came from nowhere, it, it felt like mm-hmm. it, it was a reflection of the people who made it, and I can't remember if we said it at the time, but uh, I'm curious to hear what you think, because in trying to think about, I'm, I'm sure there are a few other examples I'm forgetting, but Hotline Miami, like, coming back to it again this time, and it, it still has this power of, it, it really does make me think of the best, uh, you know, sort of independent artists and, and like punk artists of all kinds, um, of just feeling mm-hmm. like it's exactly what the people who made it want it to be, and that it doesn't. It maybe it's too far to say it doesn't care what you think. It cares a bit what you think, but it it uh, it, it's it has a purity mm-hmm. to it in a way that I think something like the original Doom had. Um, and uh, yeah, I was just kind of curious what you guys thought about. I agree with that completely. I think Hotline Miami is absolutely like a mixtape of a game. It's the sort of thing that like you don't necessarily find it in your record store, but you go to a party and, you know, one of your friends hands you an unmarked cassette and is like, here, just check this out. Hotline Miami's playing a basement show that you go to. Well, it's that it's that it's that kind of feeling. Like it's quick and it's grimy and like you feel a little guilty about it afterward. Um like my my girlfriend was in the room while I was playing some of it, and she was just like, "Good lord, what are you doing?" Um, and like obviously, she knows I'm not an actor of mass violence, but it's the sort of thing where like, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's very it's very punk in that sense. As far as to say, it has um, a unique identity. I think that some of the things about its visual style. The, the top-down thing now. I mean, in 1997, this was uh, the result of technical limitation. It, it may also have been with Hotline Miami because it's only two people working on the game. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it's also it was made in Game deal. Maker, which I think is um, really cool. But I mean, certainly the visual style for me is is reminiscent of the original Grand Theft Auto, and I think the effects that it has also the kind of distancing from violence, but also making you kind of curious as to what might be going on on the ground. Uh, is similar as well, and you can certainly see influences. I'm sure that people have cited them from, hmm. you know, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's movies. Well, I think he's actually thanked in the game's credits. Now, thematically, I don't think they. Sh- yeah, share I noticed that this time. Nicholas Winding Refn actually, his films, particularly Drive, which has a sort of electronic soundtrack and, um, you know, kind of neon lighting here and there, is actually quite an optimistic film, and the, the character sort of finds some kind of redemption through what he does whereas Hotline Miami is the opposite um, but I can certainly see 
the the derivations in Hotline Miami, where they've got things from. Having said all that, I do think you're right, Reed. I don't think it's compromised. I think that you know they they, they the game copies, but they wanted to copy, um, and just the right the sense I get of it of it being uncompromised, not uncompromising, but uncompromised, makes it a standout to me, um, for better or worse, you know. And maybe Patrick is, because that's really true. I didn't, you know, I think Doom has less precedence too. I mean, Wolfenstein was before mm-hmm. it, right? But, but it still feels. But like Doom, it. you Doom's pop culture influences are all over it. Like, yeah, no, that's that's true. But it has less. I mean, whatever. This is a, a losing game to mm-hmm. try to find something that has no influences. Every every work is influenced by something else. Um, but yeah, that's a good point that it, it does owe a lot to the original Grand Theft Auto games. So I, I think Patrick probably mm. like nailed it with saying, you know, comparing it to kind of like mm. a mixtape or um you know, a really good DJ or something who has this set this set of uh, uh tastes that it's bringing into it and it's but it's making it its own, you know, repurposing mm. it for its own its own message. I don't know. This this game though it yeah, that soundtrack is something else. I think the soundtrack does so much work <laughs> in this game. The soundtrack deserves its own podcast episode. There are f- there are a few games with soundtracks that are so essential to uh, to the success of it. You know, like this, and I think Max Payne Three does it, and Kane and Lynch Two I think Red does Dead, it. And yeah, that's a good call. I'm, Red I'm Dead, but um, my shelf. Oh yeah. Yep, I, that one came to mind as well. Yeah, that butt rock soundtrack is oh, it's so perfect. Good. Uh, yeah, I, I think I don't know. Yeah, I guess we covered a lot of ground. It's it's hard. I have a lot of thoughts about Hotline Miami. It's um, yeah, I, I do as well. They're not all negative or positive. I think it's one of the games I'm the most. Uh, it is. Um, Conflicted, wishy-washy on. It's yeah, an conflicted. Important game yeah, because there's, there's a lot struggle, to talk about. I think, if nothing else. Um. <laughs> Ed, are you gonna teach uh, Hotline Miami one? Are you gonna teach yeah. introductory Hotline Miami at <laughs> Oxford at Bullet at Bullet Points University? <laughs> That's right. On our, on our. Uh, what's that? What's the name of the thing that Big Boss has? In, in Metal Gear, not Outer Heaven, but the, the, oil the thing in the mother base, Phantom the Pain, where it's like mother base. in the middle of the, yeah, the mother base. Yeah, that's what I picture. And Ed, yeah, and Ed walks like around, and they say, training. they salute you, and they slap yeah. them in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things <laughs> Thank I want to talk about this episode with is uh, <laughs> something that we were doing a little while back, which is we each recommended a game. Now. In the past, I think what we did was recommend something that we've been playing recently or replaying recently. What I'd like to do this time and, and for a few episodes more is to recommend a game that you think is worth playing around Hotline Miami, something that kind of complements it or you know, uh, would affect one's appreciation of Hotline Miami. Patrick, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Absolutely yes. there is. Uh, there is a game called LA Cops. Um, what? That is essentially a reskinned Hotline Miami where instead of playing as a hitman you play as a police officer. Um, but it plays almost exactly the same way with the um, the, dif- the main difference being you can actually um, arrest people. Like you can melee attack them and slap handcuffs on them and arrest them but functionally it's identical. Um, and the reason I think it's a really good game to compare is it's not really until you play that totally. game that you appreciate how well executed yep. Hotline Miami is because LA Cops yep, is not true. well executed at all. Hmm. Sorry, it's, I got distracted looking at this. I this, was so I've kind never of into heard of this it. game. I, I, I played it for, for some time. And I, Patrick, for the same reasons you've just mentioned, I'd still recommend it to people. Um, but it's, uh, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit fussy. And it, it's, not, it's not like an enjoy. It, it's like doing your homework a little bit. Hmm. Um, 
I've been trying to think of games that kind of kick you in the face in the way that uh, Hotline Miami does, because I, th- I think that's the, my big takeaway from it. <laughs> and it's... I mean, there's always my favorite game, Face Kick. <laughs> why, does, why doesn't that game exist? <laughs> there's, too, there's, too many, there's too much gun violence in games. What if we just bring it back to just kicking people in the face? <laughs> um, and I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm drawing a bit of a blank other than feels like such a non-answer but mm. the the latest doom i think has has this spirit it has the uh the sort of just uh just trying to get the adrenaline going and making you see nothing other than the next thing that needs to Liter- be murdered. literally seeing red yeah <laughs> yeah i think but but in terms of also the the mood overall of mm. of uh hotline miami i think max pain 3 is uh you super do. If you, oh. you know, if you want the adrenaline. I really need to play that. You haven't played that? No, I haven't. No, You're probably no, not no, going to no, like it will. as much now <laughs> you, that you it's will. been mentioned too many times. Terrific. Yeah, I, I, I A very good soundtrack in that game, Patrick. Um, excellent. By excellent. Health. My recommendation is Lone Survivor, uh, which is developed solely by Jasper Byrne, who wrote some mm. of the music for Hotline Miami. Mm-hmm. And the reason it strikes me as comparison yep. uh, comparable is because it has a, a, a similar narrative ambition of confusing and obfuscating and um, wrong footing players and kind of asking them to, to question not just their actions but the, the, the mindset and the behaviour of their character uh, it has a similar visual style in the sense that it's, it's two dimensional but that two dimensional appearance somehow accentuates rather than diminishes your shock when it comes to the violence and the bloodshed in the game um, and it also has like Hotline Miami a terrific soundtrack and is made I think with um, similar compulsions it copies from a lot of things most distinctively Silent Hill and Silent Hill 2 but because it's made by one person and, and seems to be made um, fairly free from expectations it also has read like what you described a very little sense of being compromised by anyone else so yeah I think that that's a, a, an interesting game to look up I think you can get that on, on everything now I think that's definitely on the PS3 the PS4 PC it was yeah yeah, yeah it was a it was a fairly yeah, popular game around its release which yeah. is good okay so we have LA Cops Doom 2016 and Lone Survivor and um, yeah if you've not played Hotline Miami already I think we can all agree that for one reason or another it is certainly worth looking at. It's, yeah, it's definitely uh, better than the second one, a striking game. For any reason. The, I guess, yeah, yeah. just oh, yeah, get it all out because I will never cover that second one on this show. It's a crap game. It's, it's, I'd say it's it's all the worst tendencies yeah. of of this game blown up and blown out into. It's, it's the really bloody thing is like it's like twelve so hours long or something and, too. Um, kind of so impressed yeah. by its own what it perceives to be its own um, contrariness and disobedience, but it it, it comes over like a, a a desperate, slightly pathetic teenager that wants all the girls to see that it's grown its first mustache hair. Um, and you know, smoked smoked a joint. <laughs> Ed. Um, yeah, I, I was it. That's uh, one of the games that raised the question yeah. for me of if a sequel can diminish its prequel, uh, just just by existing. It's <laughs> it sounds so mean, but it's I, I think that they that uh, Denneton could do other really cool stuff, and I think. Uh, if you like Hotline Miami, just don't play the second one and, and just, you know, Series. follow the, the team, yeah, not the totally Okay, well not uh, the sequel. Until next time when I think we'll be doing uh, can we reveal what we're doing on the next show? It's alright, isn't it? The game is out now in shop, so it's not like a, a secret. We started the month, so yeah, on the next episode we're doing Yeah, and we we started the so month. Don't too. say anything about it at yeah. all here. Let's save it all for the show itself. Uh, until then, Reed, we can find you on Twitter and all your writing, can't we? Whereabouts is that? 
Patrick, likewise. Yeah, just go to at Reed McCarter. <laughs> I am uh, also at Reed McCarter, but if you I'm can't find me there, you uh, might try at Han Freakin' Solo. Show and also all of the written work we produce for the sister website, which is bulletpointsmonthly.com. By going to Twitter and looking up at bullet points VG. If you've enjoyed this show and also enjoyed some of the articles around it, you can donate to us at patreon.com forward slash bullet points. Uh, our money, our money, your money, the money, primarily goes towards uh, paying for freelance writers to contribute to each month on Bullet Points Monthly. And we uh, like to be able to get as many different voices and people involved as possible. So if you like the work please do consider donating uh so that's everything i think chaps we will continue our long difficult trawl through the world of video games on the next episode and uh, i hope that everyone who tuned in this time will be there alongside us until then thank you again goodbye <laughs> <laughs>